Alrighty, friends, we're back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 608. And uh, as you can see, I am not in Germany anymore. I'm back uh, uh, in North America, in Toronto, and uh, Brianna's back with us. Thank you, Karsten, for uh, helping out and filling in last week. And it was great to spend the week at Retail Loco in Munich. Um, it was an awesome event. Uh, so I'll talk more about that in a second. But uh, Brianna, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Carson, for covering for me. Missed you guys last week. Um, I was in Idaho out of the Coachella Summit, which was awesome. And now I'm clearly still not back in New York, but I am um, in South Carolina. So just like kind of jumping all over the place, spending some time with um, my side of the family and, and celebrating a birthday for the weekend. So I am good. You know, I've been, I'm tired, but I'm good. And like my my uh, mind is like refreshed with new ideas and, you know, my soul's refreshed with, with family. So that's good. So awesome. tell us about your, your trip. How, how are things? How are you? Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. It was uh, like, you know, you know, we did our retail loco back in Atlanta in October and that was our kind of first in-person event since COVID. And that was like a, like a good start and we had a good crowd there, but this seemed to like really sort of build on the momentum of that. And, you know, we had people come from across Europe, you know, obviously a lot from Germany, but, uh, and the venue, like, I think it was like, I'm going to say it's the best venue we've ever had for a retail logo. So it was in the Munich airport itself. Like they have this sort of, um, like on the edge of the airport, this sort of training center, you know, event facility that they use for like their own internal like training mostly. Um, and it was just like, and it's just wired up, like, you know, streaming and everything. Uh, so it was awesome. And then, uh, you know, a little highlight, personal highlight with ground level, you know, we, we, we were a sponsor there. And so we had, the, you know, some stuff there, but they had this like war room uh, there with like, you know, all these screens like curved on a wall. And we, so we took over the entire war room with ground level, uh, you know, dashboard stuff. And it was just a cool thing like to, for me to kind of see that, like, you know, in a room like that. Um, but it was amazing and great speakers, um, you know, from uh, some interesting brands and, you know, we covered a lot of topics and from the metaverse to, you know, indoor tech, uh, indoor location tech to, uh, um, uh, you know, mobile wallet applications and things like that. So it was, it was, it was really uh, fascinating, I would say. And, and, and I, I will also say that I think for me anyways, you know, cause we'd, both Carson and I had been to NRF and, and we'd seen you uh, while we were there in New York. And I felt NRF was like very, I didn't get a lot out of it this year. Like there was a lot of people and it was back from that point of view, but I felt like everything was, you know, from kind of two and a half years old, you know, that they didn't have a chance to talk about before COVID kind of thing. And, and now they had a sort of platform for us. It wasn't really innovative, but I felt at our conference this week, it was very, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff that I wasn't aware of uh, that people were doing, uh, and especially some of the the mobile wallet applications that that are people are pushing now as a sort of, you know, sort of uh, an alternative way to reach people, um, you know, versus you know, sort of traditional couponing or, you know, messaging or things like that. So um, yeah, very neat. Very good. Well, on that mobile wallet wallet and payment space, maybe I can like jump into the first story. Yeah, We've got four great stories, right? Um, 
and this first one is is with um is with toast and they have integrated now with google so they've integrated well specifically with order with google so into that platform so now restaurants can really like this unlock this new channel for their orders which i think is actually really cool um so toast restaurants that use google search and maps it's like this efficient ordering channel marketing um engine for them so i think this is really cool uh, so if you're an order with Google user, like customers can search for the food that they want, connect with the local restaurant and pay for their orders ahead of time um, or, at, you know, at pickup. So it's like independent table service restaurants. I was reading this stat is very interesting, but independent table service restaurants, only 13% are powered by digital channels. So I think there's a huge opportunity there. I know some of the local restaurants that we visit up in New York um, use toast like for ordering. So I love that this is available now, like through uh, Google, obviously I can just go directly through the, the toast because I, I know that restaurant, but if I was looking for something new or searching, um, you know, I might be using Google. And so this, is a, I think a great way for that, both like connecting that discovery phase of like, what do I want to eat? What do I want to order? Um, and just streamlining it into the order platform. So I think this is, um, you know, a simple story, but I, I do think that it's impactful, especially for those smaller restaurants and independent um, restaurants that, you know, are trying to get like discovered and, and put you know, fill, fill more seats really and, and more orders. So what do you think about this one? Yeah, I agree. It's, it's simple, but, but effective and, uh, and, and, you know, like a, a powerful way for, you know, sort of discovery and, um, you know, and, and a simple integration on, on the payment side. So I, I like it from that point of view, you know, and Toast is one of those companies that's kind of been on a tear lately. So since this story came out, you know, just what, two weeks ago, um, then last week, I, I, I read that they just uh, also acquired Delphi uh, digital signage uh, system. So Delphi does a lot of the sort of drive through, um, you know, the the digital screens menus that, uh, that you see in, in drive throughs. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's interesting, too, because if you think about it, you know, sort of, you've got this integrated uh, ordering with, you know, through Google, you've got sort of, you know, potentially people discovering, you know, while they're driving on the road, um, you know, and then pulling up to these screens and it's all integrated, you know, together. So I think uh, there's a lot here in terms of the the ecosystem that Toast is building. Um, obviously, they have a lot of other platforms too, um, you know, that, uh, you know, the, in, in terms of their payment platforms and, and other things that they do at point of sale. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like it. I think it's great. And, you know, you're going to see, I think, more and more of these sort of connectivity pieces plugged together between, you know, online ordering systems or uh, search engines um, and and uh, point of sale systems. So there, there's a lot going on, I think, around this, but I like it. This, this is a good, simple integration for me. There you go. Okay. Uh, on to our second uh, story. So now we're going to shift over and talk about Coca-Cola a little bit. Um, and, you know, we... Uh, you know what I like about this this story is is that uh, it seems Coke has really started to shift um, kind of their their marketing focus a little bit to be you know more local, um, and so they've been testing a bunch of different campaigns, uh, consumer uh, facing campaigns uh, in different markets all over the world that are all about sort of engaging you know directly with the consumer you know and I think you know before I kind of highlight some of the the pieces here I think that one of the things for me that you know, has been a big shift in, in general uh, in, in CPG um, is this sort of move away from 
sort of a B2B approach or relying on the retailer or the restaurant chain or, you know, whoever to sort of be your interface to the consumer and kind of this going direct, um, you know, to, to, to the consumer itself. And so a couple of things that they've, uh, that they've been doing in terms of different pilots uh, that they've been running that I think are interesting. So in Vietnam, uh, they partnered with 700 uh, food uh, re restaurants um, and they use um, social and digital content to create like all these combo deals. Um, and then, um, you know, through like sort of on the ground campaigning and, and, you know, engagement with these, these shops, they saw a 20% uplift in, in, you know, those merchants, um, and over a million, uh, transactions in these sort of combo deals with, you know, their Coke products, uh, in India, uh, they went after cricket fans using AI and first party data. So you could scan a QR code on a product label. Uh, and then that would, you know, sort of bring you to sort of, um, uh, specialized content from from the Cricket World Cup uh, that was recorded through a camera that was installed on the wicket uh, at the cup. And then you could receive personalized content based on, you know, your favorite matches and things like that. Um, and, you know, there, I can go on and on. There's like several more where they're like, you know, blending um, like in Latin America at the Rock and Rio Festival, they blended, um, you know, content there through live streams and then tying that to Fortnite uh, video games. So bring the metaverse elements into this. And things like that. So, you know, what I like about all of this stuff is they're really going local. They're really going, you know, engaging directly with communities and going after, you know, sort of these niche markets, whether it be music festivals or, you know, restaurant uh, engagement or, you know, sports. Uh, they're trying a bunch of different experiments and piloting a lot of different things here. So I like that. Any thoughts from you? Yeah, well, I think 20% is a number you can't, um, you know, argue with. That's like a great stat. And I do think that creating like this hyper local presence is a is a great approach to it. You know, I was I was looking at the growth of, of larger companies over time. And it's interesting because you look at how uh, Coca-Cola was always like one of the biggest companies and still is to this day, but their growth, you know, has, I would say, like, kind of plateaued a bit where you know year over year earnings is like just a little bit a little bit a little bit it's not um drastically incremental like we've seen some of the tech giants do right uh, but i think that this approach is like really unique and it gives them an opportunity to maybe uh scale that in a different way so i like the idea of pairing things and and i think that sometimes like from the way that our mind works as humans it's like okay i see a picture of a deal or i see a coca-cola and i automatically want that with that meal um so it kind of helps you pick sure yourself having that whole entire experience uh drink included and so i think that that's probably um you know a great a great approach there so not too much to add but it's exciting so sticking with kind of like the payment uh side of things my my second story this week is about the buy now pay later space and we've seen um you know i've seen like this really explode i would say over the past couple of years with like klarna and some other companies that are offering this but um specifically this company split it is um, is kind of focusing on the physical retail space, which is really interesting because traditionally I think it's been more of an e-commerce play. So um, Split It is a white label buy now, pay later provider. So they just had this uh, partnership that they launched with the point of sale terminal. Um, I don't know if you pronounce it Ingenico or Ingenico, but you know, you know that like red logo with with Ingenico and Henico written in it that you see when you check out at so many merchants and physical places. Well, now they have this ability where it's up to the retailer if they want to integrate this buy now, pay later 
um, option for, for their customers. And I think this is actually pretty genius. So um, now the customer can like pay later, like have maybe pay half up front, half later on the, you know, in a month or something. And, um, and so they have about 40 million point of sale terminals globally with Ingenico across 300,000 merchants, which is a huge uh, base, right, to start with. And it's um, going to be added via their, their cloud-based system. So uh, the buy now, pay later space is, is projected to make about 5% of global e-commerce transactions by 2025. But what they weren't accounting for is the fact that um, nearly 85% of, of transactions are like physical retail transactions right um and so like get, tapping into that 85 percent i think is amazing and huge so it's such a great opportunity and smart thing to go after um so we, we've seen like a firm klarna they've released these debit cards that allow payments to be split up with no interest uh squares Afterpay allows the customers to use like the buy now pay later at participating retailers it's also a built-in option to the square point of sale system um but I think they're likely to succeed. There's, they're suggesting that it's going to be more in these like high, high ticket items. So like furniture, luxury apparel, you know, think of like, I'm going to go buy, you know, um, a Louis Vuitton bag or a Chanel bag. Uh, maybe I want to like break this up. Um, so they are looking at tickets between 500 and $5,000 roughly. Um, and so the, the user's not paying a fee or interest was split it. So it, it's earning revenue by charging the merchant to use this like subscription-based service. And, um, and so on the retailer side, which I think is extremely smart. So you know, for me thinking about like the, the current economic, you know, trends and considerations that we're facing here, we're, we're being a little bit more careful and hesitant with how much we spend on things that are not necessities. So I think that like, this is like reaching um, probably like three key areas for me on why this is such a, a great business plan is like one, it's an untapped market considering it's physical retail versus the e-commerce play Two, the economic considerations that people have this frame of mind um, and three, I just think that like being able to not have that consumer pay for it and, and putting it on the retailer because the retailer is in essence, maybe getting business that they wouldn't otherwise, because, you know, it's a consideration that like, Hey, I can pay for half of this now, half of this later. And then traditionally in retail, that was not, uh, not the case. So, um, I like this, uh, business idea, like not from a personal financial standpoint, but I think that this is, um, going to be very profitable. Yeah, completely agree with that. I think obviously, you know, the whole buy now, pay later uh, movement is is growing, you know, by leaps and bounds. And, you know, uh, it, you know, traditionally comes from that sort of e-commerce side that you you said at the beginning. But I see a play for this in, in physical retail, especially with, you know, where the economy is right now and, you know, potentially going into a recession and, you know, everybody's sort of, um, you know, wallets, you know, tightened up a little bit right now, right? So if you, you know, if there are those sort of bigger purchases in particular that, you know, you still want to do, um, you know, this is a, you know, sort of an interesting mechanism to facilitate that, I think. Um, and I think one of the, the things that I was reading in this story that uh, intrigues me is like, for those who don't have credit cards, um, where you might kind of, you know, make that bigger purchase and then spread out the payments, you know, from a credit card point of view over time, you know, this is an interesting alternative. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, one of the stats that they, they share here that from a PayPal, uh, survey, uh, last year said 79% of millennial and Gen Z 
by now pay later users were more likely to make repeat purchases at a merchant that offered that service. So I think it's it's an interesting way to kind of, you know, sort of bring in a new uh, customer base, um, a new generation that, you know, where maybe disposable income is 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 limited, um, you know, um, and, uh, you know, give them that ability to, to do something different. And, and I think, um, you know, like they're not obviously split it is, is, you know, kind of pushing this forward. And I think this is a great, um, you know, partnership and, and a huge, huge win, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, how they're going about this and, and integrating this into the, into the POS side of things. Um, but, you know, Klarna and some of the others that you mentioned are also kind of pushing into this space too. So, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of movement around this, um, but it's hard, it's hard to argue with, 40 million point of sale term terminals that Ingenico has out in the market at 300,000 merchants. Right. right. Um, it's uh, yeah. And, and I guess the other thing too, for me is, you know, I wonder, you know, what sort of data will be available, you know, to third parties potentially from this in terms of, you know, are they looking to also license data out from this, you know, the way MasterCard or others do. So could be interesting. Yeah, one to watch for sure. Yeah. All right. On to our final story. So this is an interesting one. And I, I kind of, it's not a sort of normal technology story that we cover on here, but this uh, designer named Oni Yan uh, has created a new device called In Memoriam. Uh, and it's a device that lets neighbors know when someone uh, in your neighborhood has died alone in their home. Um so they, he's he, this designer has built this sort of uh, this prototype device, and it's it's kind of a two part system. So it has a battery powered odor detector that would be similar to a carbon monoxide kind of detector that we have in our homes, and then outside a signal lamp that's connected through a wireless connection um, that lets passersby in the neighborhood know that somebody in that household has has passed away. Um, so it, it's 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 very uh, very easy and, and simple. So you just kind of mount this you know the, the, uh, odor detector to your wall, and then it reacts to the sulfur sulfur compounds that are released when a human body you know starts to decay after death. So um, again, picking up kind of you know just like a, a carbon monoxide de detector would, uh, but then when when it detects that, um, it uh, basically instead of like an alarm being sent out. It then basically kind of signals this this lamp outside, uh, and then the lamp kind of you know sort of moves, and then you know sort of kind of like a little bit of like a tiny little lighthouse kind of shines this light out uh, into the neighborhood, and then people know um, you know that uh, that has happened, and you know to go and kind of care for their neighbors, um, and it, it's kind of I I like it because it, like sort of the whole motivation behind it is. This person had had experienced, you know, something uh, in in their, uh, you know, life like this, and then started researching it, and then found out that this this happens more often than you might think. Um, that people are just dying, you know, uh, alone, and uh, you know, maybe choosing to stay in their homes, you know, long, uh, you know, a, a long time, and then, uh, you know, no family members are close by or around or you know uh, aware of that, and it it happens, right? So, you know, kind of tapping into your neighbors and and kind of you know each other and the humanness that we are i think is, is an interesting you know use of this technology um 
and uh, kind of bringing people together in, in a way too. And then the other thing uh, is that um, the name in memoriam, you know, translates to to remember someone. That's what in memoriam is. Um, and so uh, the designer says that when the signal lamp is lit, the light not only serves as a signal for the house's community, but also to symbolically remember the deceased person. Um, so I, I, li I like the whole sort of notion of kind of what they've done here and the simplicity of the technology and, and it's serving a real sort of uh, need in, in a community. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that the story of how this came to be is something that like you definitely feel and it can resonate, you know, with all of us. Um, you know, especially I would say mo the majority of people have, uh, you know, a loved one or someone who lives alone that may not be, you know, checked in on very regularly. And so I think this is a is solving for that, you know, a lot of times we're trying to like go into the preventative space, like how can we help stop death, right? Um, but I think that this is obviously something that is is um, one, like from just a, a community standpoint, as you mentioned, and bringing people together and giving that awareness as is, I think, a very like valuable and personal um, connecting thing, right. For, for your community. Yeah. Now, what I do think is that I could see this being integrated into something like a nest or, you know, something where it's like just brought in with, with, um, and like rolled out at massive scale, um, as a feature within existing, uh, you know, platforms. So very interesting, um, and heartfelt. So. Yeah, for sure. So, that's uh that's our show for this week for uh wide-ranging stories there um you know some some interesting integrations and partnerships and uh yeah uh thank you everybody for listening and watching uh you've been listening to episode 608 of location weekly uh of course we'll be back next week with another show and if you have uh, story ideas uh that we should be covering reach out to us uh please if you have a case study uh, that you'd like to share. We also have our best retail cases platform. Uh, just go to bestretailcases.com and submit your case study there. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.